What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey y'all, this is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoy today's episode. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat, presented by Manscaped and part of the Fan-Sided Network. I am Nick. I am joined by Amanda again today. Ryan is still on vacation. The freaking audacity that guy has. I know, right? So we're unfortunately without Ryan again, but we are joined by a bunch of guests. It's just a party up in here. We are joined (laughs) by three Nats fans, Max Joe and Josiah, who are here to do another fan roundtable. We're going to talk about everything Nats, but mainly the young guys, because the young guys are our future, right? We're going to talk about the future, talk about an exciting Toronto mini sweep that just, uh, you know, concluded today and kind of, you know, go from there. We're really excited to these to do these uh, roundtables and hear from you, you fans. So very excited to do this one. But first, Amanda, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing well. Um, it was a little bit more fun to watch the Nats the last couple of days than it has been. Um, but yeah, I'm excited that we get to talk, you know, young guys. Cause that's, I mean, really, let's be honest. That's all there is to talk about. I mean, there's, yeah, basically there, there's no vets left. <laughs> right. Exactly. There's no vets left. And, you know, you said, we're going to talk about the future and you know, that's all, that's all there is. There really is no present. It doesn't matter. And that, uh, that pressure-free baseball seems to really be, um, something that's helping these younger guys to relax and just settle into the, their roles in the big league. So there's definitely a lot to be excited about. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely allowing them room to grow and we're, we're seeing that, uh, but let's introduce some of our, uh, panelists, contributors, panelists, guests, (laughs) this is new to us too, potato, potato. (laughs) So it all works. So let, let's talk to Joe. Joe, how are you doing tonight? Good. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. So tell us a little bit about your, 
yourself and kind of your Nats fandom and your just general opinions on the team as you know we've emerged post deadline and post uh window and previous championship era yeah absolutely so I'm actually uh living in Wisconsin so I'm a little one-off here with no Nats fans around. So it's nice to jump <laughs> I hear on a little Wisconsin you in your voice, I feel like. <laughs> and it's so funny, too, because I never hear any accents for Wisconsinites. <laughs> so it's nice to hear the perspective. Everyone else guys. has an accent. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I am I am on board with what they're doing right now. You know, it's it's difficult to see, especially being quite the romantic with my baseball teams and mm-hmm. seeing all the stuff and all the guys they traded away really breaking my heart here. But, you know, it's, it's a, it's an exciting future. These guys are looking good so far. It's kind of crazy to me to see the return like immediately from the trade deadline. I don't feel like it's something you normally see from these guys and getting the impact right away is really refreshing to see. Get to see Josiah Gray go out there tonight yeah. and do what he does. You see Riley Adams go out. I feel like he's almost the key to our success so far. The guys just pound these home runs and getting us started here for these, these last three wins we've had in the last, like what, two weeks. So mm-hmm. it's nice to see these young guys go at it and excited to see these new guys get a chance here. Man, three wins in the last two weeks. That's hard. <laughs> I know, but it does have to say, you make a great point, Joe, that seeing those younger guys, the the prospects we got in exchange for all the beloved players, it does make it sting a little less that you're it, they're not like going to spend two years working their way up the ranks before you ever see them. So it's just like, you know, you're bereft because the players you loved were gone and there's nothing to replace them. Definitely, yeah. So that definitely is a great point. And then I have to ask, how did you be, how did you wind up a Nats fan? You know, that's a funny story, too, because I didn't really start watching baseball until high school. I started playing high school baseball right as I came in freshman year. So that's when I started kind of getting into baseball and watching on TV. And I've always hooked on to players. And I was a big Prince Fielder fan being in Wisconsin. And Mm -hmm. as soon as I saw Bryce Harper coming up the reins, I jumped onto his bandwagon and hooked onto the Nats. And ever since, I just fell in love with them. And now I'm just a diehard, so it's been a fun, fun last few years with them. But now it's getting a little, a little dicey here. But it's still fun to watch. Sure, sure. Right. The times are gone for now. Yeah, I actually <laughs> love that. We had that conversation a couple of weeks ago on, on the show, where the MLB is very regional with teams, and obviously us here on the East Coast, it, it's tough to always watch. You know, ten o'clock games where you see Mike Trout and now Shohei Otani and the Dodgers and Giants and all the, these teams who are obviously mm-hmm. this year are, are powerhouses. It, it's very regionalized. Uh, whereas the NBA, you have fans of players and you'll follow those players from team to team. It, it's not really yeah. loyalty to the team's loyalty to the players. So granted it's Bryce Harper and he's very polarizing as we all know, but <laughs> it is cool to hear about how the Nats of all teams, especially at that time that Bryce debuted, you know, Bryce debuted and you became a Nats fan because of a player and then just stuck with it. Granted, you know, that player's moved on. So definitely cool to see you and, uh, you know, glad, glad uh, you're joining us. Thanks. Thanks yeah, again. Thank you. Excited to talk about it. Well, let's move on to Josiah, who, I mean, perfect name to have it at this point in time as a Nats fan. <laughs> uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, your feelings and opinions on the Nats as currently constructed. Yeah. So, uh, I share a namesake with Josiah Gray, so he's become a, a favorite of mine. But, sure. Uh, I, I've been a Nats fan since, I want to say around 2012. 
Um, so quite a while, but I've got to watch them, you know, contend for a long time. And honestly, I'm happy uh, with what we got for the past few years. And I'm excited for uh, kind of the retool that we're doing. Um, I'm not really expecting anything big, uh, the, you know, maybe the next two years, but I think that we should be in a good position to, uh, to go for contention again quite soon. And I feel like youth always brings in uh, a lot more fans and just a lot more excitement to the game. So mm-hmm. I, I'm really excited to see how well they perform and how just because I feel like the we'll save the 2019 Nats, but <laughs> the Nats of before just kind of uh, they didn't play a really fun game. And I feel like the young guys now are really going to make it exciting and have fun with each other. Um, so I'm excited for that. Um, back on Josiah Gray, man, he's electric. I, I love him. Uh, I miss, I miss Scherzer, but so much. I'm glad to have him. I'm, I'm really glad to have him. Um, and as for like Luis Garcia and Carter Keyboom, I love seeing them thrive. Uh, I, I want them to succeed so bad. And I think they pair really well with uh, Soto. So I think if uh, we can get them to become a big three, then we'll be really set. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. And, and you, you make a great point about, you know, those two in particular, because obviously those are kind of our homegrown guys. Um, we have a couple more in the wings, but those are our homegrown guys. Obviously didn't come over at the deadline. And now that, like we, we always say on the show, it's pressure free baseball. They're able to kind of grow with the team and not have to grow into the team, right? They don't have to be championship level ball players in order to succeed. They can grow with the team. And Garcia, you know, as a whole, isn't hitting all that well in a you know, small sample size this season, but he's still getting valuable reps in at, in at bats. But yeah. Thanks for yeah. joining us, and you know, great name. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, per, per, tell your parents, shout out to your parents. Right, exactly. Gr- great, great job, Josiah's great, parents. Yeah, great yeah, and name. The the idea about the younger guys kind of making it a more fun experience. You're right with the 2019 team; they really did seem like they were having fun, and it, it does make a difference. I don't know if you know this. I mean, I'm sure you listen to the show since you're joining us. That Gerardo Parra is Nick's favorite player, and it's because I mean, he brings so much fun <laughs> to the team. We're supposed to have fun on this round table. Like we don't need to talk about, talk about things. Yeah. 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 (laughs) All right. Let's talk to Max. Yeah. Let's talk to Max. And Max is a good friend from district on deck. He actually runs the site. So, and this is long overdue, but Max, thanks for joining us. How are you doing tonight? Thanks for having you guys on for the first time. I'm doing well. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I know your thoughts because obviously we, we, we talk on Twitter and whatnot, but mm-hmm. share your thoughts on the Nats and, and you know, pre-deadline, post-deadline and kind of where we go from here. All right. So I've been following the team since 2005. First pro game I ever went to was opening day at RFK 05. So I've been watching them. Oh, I was there awesome. too. For a long time. Yeah. Hell of a game. So I've seen a rebuild before. I remember 06 in 2011 the multiple hundred losses in a row and how Mm -hmm. much fun it was. (laughs) The difference between this team and that team is that team had Ryan Zerman and that was it. At the very end of the rebuild, you know, the exciting prospects came up. 
for most of it, there was no one really to look forward to. This time around, they already have their exciting prospects up, and you already know what exciting prospects are coming. You got like Brady House, Habert Ruiz, all the guys that just came through the trades, Cavalli, Cole Henry, Rutledge. So you got the Atunia. You got the fun guys to look forward to. You got the guys up on the roster now. And so even though they're going to be bad, it's a lot more fun of a rebuild than it was the first time around. And a lot of those fans now don't remember that because they didn't become a fan until 12 or during the division titles or even until 2019. So a lot of the people that are upset by the moves and aren't really knowing what to expect, they're in a lot better position this time around than they were in 06. That's an excellent point. It's a very different type of rebuild. It's really more of a quick retool because of the number of good prospects, both Mm -hmm. with the big club and near getting to the big club. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. I I don't expect they're going to be dreadful for five years like they were. (laughs) In the dark days. In the dark Uh, days. And you're right, too. The great point, Max, is that a lot of the fans now weren't fans from the beginning and haven't lived through the lean times with this team. And, you know, hey, I welcome all Mass fans get on the bandwagon, but you know, you just, this, this is the diehards only time. Like this is going to be one or, I think a lot of the more casual mm-hmm. fans probably check out for a while until they're back in contention, but it's, it's suffering through the times like this that make the good times so sweet. So. Yeah. Which probably happens for all sports. I mean, as Nats fans, this is kind of the first time we as diehards are going through this too. Like we're not used to these bandwagon fans overreacting at a team selling at the deadline. This is our first real experience with that too. And we're kind of just, you know, like chill out. Like, do you not remember? But of course they don't remember. They became fans once the Nats became established and, you know, had the Max Scherzer, the Bryce Harper and all this stuff. That's not a bad thing. All all teams go through it. We're just, we're all learning. We're all growing. And, uh, you know, just like the young guys. And that's who we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about three pitchers and, We'll talk about more position players, but really four main parts or players, uh, positions for the position players. But um, I'm a pitcher myself. I'm a pitching coach. So I'm always biased towards the pitchers, and that's where I want to start. And the logical place to start is Josiah Gray. Another great outing today. <laughs> that first win is still elusive. Nats did win the game, but it was a little bit of back and forth. Ryan Harper uh, just got cursed by Amanda and had his worst outing of the year, unfortunately, and cost Josiah a win. But the Nats still got the win, and maybe for the embrace the tank folks, that that wasn't a good thing, but it it was definitely an entertaining game to watch. So let's start back with Joe. Uh, Josiah Gray, obviously we we talked about how getting him in return for Max Scherzer and obviously Trey Turner as well, but he kind of stepped into that turn on the TV every fifth day role that Max has provided us for the past seven years and that's not an easy role to fill but Josiah great you got to be excited for him right well absolutely and we're not missing out on the solo homers that Max gave up either. <laughs> yeah that's certainly there back. Mm-hmm. so no it's it's awesome to watch him and it's definitely must-see tv for Nats, Nats fans and I know I tune in at work today we started a little earlier so in Wisconsin so I got to tune a little bit earlier at work today and just watching him go about his business and how poised he is on the mound at such a young age and just going after hitters. It's, it's funny to see, you see all the Nats guys going after it and then you get to see Josiah throw strikes and it's like, Oh my goodness, we got a pitcher who can throw strikes consistently and go <laughs> after hitters. And it's like, Oh man, we were spoiled for so long watching Sir Scherzer go after guys and missing him and seeing Josiah actually go after guys. It's, it's refreshing to see. And 
man, he's he's looking good at such a young age, and I'm excited to watch how he progresses in the future and hopefully continues his success into the next year. Yeah, that's what I, I, I know OPT, who is our digital media co- coordinator, tweeted out the highlight of it, and then Matt Wyrick <laughs> uh, retweeted it as well. But first at bat, um, you know, Josiah Gray versus Vladdy Jr., who's who would be the runaway MVP if it weren't for a generational two-way player in Shohei Otani. But first first pitch, Josiah Gray goes right at him, and it's a swing and a miss by Vladdy. And that, like you said, it's very poised and very awesome to see. Uh, moving on to his namesake, the Josiah we're talking to right now. Josiah, I mean, how, how you feel? We talked about it, obviously, you know, off the top, but how are you feeling about Josiah Gray? And is he doing your name proud? Uh, he's definitely doing my name proud. I mean, you, you can never fully replace Scherzer. I mean, he's Hall of Fame talent, but uh, I think we I think we really got a good one in Gray. Um like Joe was saying, he, he really attacks hitters. And again, that's exciting baseball. So I, I don't want to see a pitcher, you know, work around uh, batters. I, I want to see the strikeouts. And mm-hmm. obviously he's going to get better with that over time. Um, but yeah, like I said before, he's electric. Uh, he's just an awesome pitcher to watch. I think he's an awesome guy in general. Uh, and I can't, I can't wait to see what kind of a place he takes with the uh, future of the team. I don't know if he's going to be our ace. I don't know uh, if he's going to fill that three or four spot, but I think he's definitely going to have a bright future in DC. For sure. I mean, he's, I don't know how old he is, but this is his, what, third or fourth start with us. So it's, he's only had a handful of starts in the majors in general. And he, he, Mm -hmm. I, I think Joe put it perfectly poise is just he, he displays it every single time on the mound and he also gets deep in the games on a low pitch count I mean he hasn't you know gone seven or eight but that's really because they're trying to keep him to a pitch count that's not through any fault of his own um, but he he's going right at guys throwing a lot of strikes keeping the the walks down tends to give up a little homer here and there but that's just part of going at guys and we saw that with Max, like we all we'll all joke about and all see on Twitter's, you know, it, we'll, we'll take the trade off of a pitcher being able to go six innings, maybe even seven, seven innings and a couple solo shots here and there rather than only going four innings because you're, you know, at 80 pitches and you're walking six guys as we've seen too much this, this season. And especially with Joe Ross's uh, partially torn UCL, definitely. Josiah Gray is a welcome, welcome addition to the team. Max, I know we've talked about Josiah a lot. He, he's been awesome. Um, what are your thoughts on him, both present and going forward? So for me today, the biggest thing was his secondary pitches, which is something people know they need to improve on. His slider, curveball, and changeup were absolutely electric today, and he was able to just bounce them around with ease, and it set up his four strikeouts, allowed him to attack Vlad Carrero, uh, early and often, as you said, I saw a stat earlier. I can't find it right now. I think it was from Mark Zuckerman. I'm not positive about how he threw his slider 15 times. And I believe he had 10 swings and misses on it. Um, I have to fact check it, but it was around those numbers, which is just impressive because in his last outing is uh, when he gave up the three runs, his secondary stuff started strong and kind of faded off as he got tired this time around. He didn't get tired and Davey was forced to pull him early because he was going to go out for the seventh and he, pulled him for the pinch hitter, which I'm kind of happy with. 
because last mm-hmm. time around they put him out when he was tired and he gave up the homer and then the hit and then you know he left with his head like hanging even though he had a great outing but he didn't get to think about it because the only remember was that last homer this time around left on top with the lead after dominant six uh six innings so that's a really good takeaway from him and as i said the way that he was just able to mix his curveball and slider with ease and people were just off balance all game is plays very well moving forward yeah absolutely i mean i i agree good decision by davy there i am no stranger to uh criticizing davy through these head scratching managerial moves that he seems to display specifically with leaving pitchers in too long or taking them out too early. It seems like he always gets us wrong if that's what it is, but you know, a hundred percent that was the right call today. Obviously he's in delivered with uh, the pinch it, which didn't matter in the long run, but was crucial at the time to get the, you know, in second insurance run. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's been really exciting to watch gray again. I always, I, everybody keeps kind of com- not really comparing him to Max Scherzer exactly, but sort of expecting him to fill that role. And I hope that the, people don't put too much pressure on him or he doesn't put too much pressure on himself Um, because, you know, maybe he'll be, maybe he'll be Max Scherzer one day. I I hope so. But, you know, very few people have ever been like Max Scherzer. So just, I just want him to be Josiah Gray, who was a kid who was obviously becoming more confident as you just said, Max mixing in those secondary pitches. Um, He, you know, got to, he got a really great outing again today. Didn't get the win again, but you know, that will come and it doesn't really matter team stat anyways exactly team stat but it's it's really exciting to watch him he's obviously one of the best pieces they got back um for max and trey and you know that that trade stings and it does help a little bit when you get to see i think there were so many people who were angry and upset about that trade especially trey turner being included in it but when you see i mean obviously we're not seeing ruiz yet at the big league level but when you get to see josiah gray it, it i don't know for me at least it takes the takes the edge off a little bit, <laughs> takes the edge off, but let's move on a little bit and talk about Kate Favali. Speaking of guys still down in the minor leagues, you know, he's had a very brief stay in a single a he's a double a now um, sub three ERA looking really, really good. Very exciting prospect. Um, let's start with uh, Josiah. Let's start with you this time. What are your thoughts about Kate Cavalli? Do you have expectations of when you think he's going to be up at the major league level and kind of what are your your expectations for him when he gets here. Yeah. So, I mean, Cavalli, he's awesome too. He, he reminds me again, like Scherzer, he attacks hitters um, and he throws gas. He throws consistently 99, a hundred. Again, his walk rate concerns me, Mm -hmm. but I think he kind of concerns everybody with that, but he obviously will get better with that. I think his last outing was, uh, probably his worst one yet with six walks and three innings, which granted isn't great, but you know, he, he's still young and he's still got a long way to go. Um, I, I expect him to stay in triple a because uh, he, he is in double a right now, but I expect him to get the promotion by the end of season to triple a and to stay in triple a for most of the season next year. But I think he might get the call up uh, at the end of next season if we really need him. Um, but I would I would like for him to stay down in AAA if possible, just for him to continue to, uh, developing and making sure that control is really locked down before he gets to the big leagues, uh, just because that's something that you can't like mess around with uh, when you're in the big leagues. 
Yeah, that's an excellent point. I, I think he's got electric stuff. He's really fun to watch, but he does have a lot of developing to do. And I, I especially in a, in a rebuild, retool, whatever you want to call it, uh, there's no reason to rush that kid up. But I, I'm looking forward a lot to seeing him when he finally gets here, which I don't expect will, will be next year, but maybe we will see what happens. Uh, Max, how about you? What do you think about Cavalli? So back in January, I actually had the chance to interview him. And this kid is electric. And just like talking to him, it, just from his personality, he's just a very confident guy. And the way he talked to me is the way he approaches himself on the mound. He is just full of confidence, believes he can do anything and will do everything. And he's proven it on the mound with his stuff, blows people away with his fastball. As um, Josiah said, he needs to work on his control issues. I don't, don't believe he has – I think he's issued at least one walk in every game since arriving in double A. I'd have to double-check that, but I'm pretty sure that's a thing. Um, but his K rate is insane. And he's been applauded by Baseball America and MLB Pipeline, all those websites, as you've seen. And he's uh, already in the top 50 prospects in baseball per Baseball America, which is something the Nats haven't had from a pitching prospect like that since Lucas Giolito. And I would say it's fair to say he's the most uh, polarizing pitching prospect we've had since Giolito, which is a good thing because the last few guys that uh, we've drafted haven't really hit, like Tim Kate, Mason Denebog, Seth Romero, Will Crow, be it injuries or um, off the field issues. So it's really good to see that he is – leading the next wave of Nationals pitching prospects. And the plan I saw from Davey tweeting, I want to say in like the Washington Post, is to have him move up to AAA soon. I know yesterday is going to be a little step back, but I also won't be surprised if he makes AAA by the end of the season. Yeah, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see that. He's certainly um, on the fast track. Uh, Joe, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree with everything else everybody else said. Uh, I think – yeah, like, I think the walk rate is concerning. I think that – I hope that he can get that under control, and I don't think we'll need him next year. I don't think next year is going to be a contending year for us, unfortunately. But I definitely think that um, the, the as soon as he progresses and gets that walk rate under control, I think he'd be an awesome guy to bring up. And I don't think the Nationals have ever shied away from bringing a young guy up when they think he's ready. So – as soon as he gets that under control, his stuff is electric, like everyone else said. And I'd love to see him in the big leagues as soon as possible. I don't know if that's next year or late next year, but um, I just, I'd love to see it. I, I love it, all the videos I've seen. I you know I see him a lot on Twitter of all the, the strikeouts and things he's throwing up there. And he's, he's an exciting pitcher to see, and I, I hope he gets up soon. Yeah, that's a great point. They're not shy about bringing up pitchers, particularly or uh, players, particularly pitchers. Mm -hmm. they, they get them up when they're ready so yeah i i don't i don't think next year but I, you're, you're right joe it could be late next year i guess it depends on really what's going on if they're trying to contend next year for some reason then probably much more likely to see them well the best part about that sorry go ahead max i have a stat for you entering go yesterday cavalli is second in minor league baseball in k through nine with a 1406 behind grayson rodriguez who's the number one pitching prospect in baseball Wow. So, I mean, well-deserved topic. What, I mean, I guess it depends what, if you use Baseball America or uh, Fangraphs or any, whatever you use to uh, MLB Pipeline was the one I was trying to think of, but certainly deserving of, of top 50 uh, across the board. Um, but the, the best thing about uh, 
you know, the, the state of the Nats at, you know, at the big league level, obviously, is that the pressure-free baseball trickles down. You, you don't need to rush up Kate Cavalli. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're trying to contend. Obviously, if you do find yourself in contention next year, well, chances are you're probably going to go get a more established pitcher than Kate Cavalli, right? right? If, if the Nats, you know, start the, the first half of the season and they, you know, they're 60 and 20 or some absurd run and they're like, holy crap, we, we should probably, you know, get some reinforcements. They're going to go get an established veteran arm if they need an arm they're not going to bring up a guy making his major league debut to to pitch game seven in october like that's just not going to happen so it's really the in my mind the only way we see him is if it's just super pressure free and kate establishes the fact that he's ready right if he just cruises through triple a whenever he gets there and it's just easy breezy for him and he's ready to make the jump then cool We'll see him, and that very well could happen next year uh, because he is a college pitcher, so he's had a little bit more seasoning uh, in his uh, professional development. So it very well could be next year, but I certainly expect by 2023. But the fact of the matter is 99 and 100 is going to play no matter where you are, no matter what level you are. He just needs to reel in that control a little bit. Speaking of reeling in control, we're going to talk about the other big arm that the Nats acquired at the deadline, and that is Mason Thompson, another guy who just slid right into the major league roster, who was major league ready. We talked about that on our last episode. Rizzo did a great job of balancing prospects and deals. He got some guys that will need a little bit more time and seasoning down in the minors. Some guys that were close to being major league ready or were major league ready. Mason Thompson, one of those has gotten into some jams a little bit here and there, but Overall, not too bad. I, th- I think we're definitely impressed with this stuff. Reminds, I, I know I'm not the only one who's made this comparison, but it reminds me a lot of Blake Trinan. I mean, 97, 98 sinker down and in. It's just dirty, big, tall right-hander, throws hard. Absolutely great stuff. And, you know, he's someone who will probably benefit from pressure-free baseball. So, Max, let's go kick it right back to you. What's your thoughts on Mason Thompson, and what are your expectations for him in the future? Um, Thompson, as we know, acquired from – the Daniel Hudson trade, and he's doing a really good job for filling in for Hudson. I mean, he's not going to be – not right away. He's not going to be that type of uh, leader. But despite – I believe yesterday was his only real shaky outing with the Nats, which is he'll take, especially with the amount of lumps they've taken. And then today he comes in, throws two-thirds innings, stri- gets one strikeout, ERA down to three eight six. And After the he, Harper blow-up too, so that was big mm-hmm. of him. So he comes in, he was able to calm down, just calm down, calm and collected it was even more impressive because you know last night he gave up what three four runs so you would think coming in the day after that like he was able to show that his nerves weren't a factor and he has a uh, impressive stuff especially his fastball he's a guy that i have up there um that will be competing with clobosits for the eighth slash ninth inning and then once people like um the other relievers that they came called in uh start being promoted uh, that's a few dudes that are going to be trying out for the late innings. But for now, because he got there first, he has the dibs, I want to say, on the eighth and ninth inning um, while Finnegan holds the road, you know, like be the second closer, which is what, uh, something mm-hmm. I think all teams need to have. Yeah, certainly a good uh, good weapon to have in your arsenal if you have 
multiple closers and we have, we don't have an established closer right now. So obviously, like you said, Finnegan in his role, he's kind of getting the first crack at the closing job, but Klobositz, uh Thompson, maybe uh, some, some other guys get cracks at, at closing. Joe, what are your thoughts on Mason Thompson? And uh, obviously we, there's a lot of debate about the Max Scherzer and Trey Turner deal because obviously those are beloved players, part of the 2019 team. Daniel Hudson, also part of the 2019 team. Not necessarily easy to see him go, but Mason Thompson, as we've been talking about all night, certainly takes the edge off. Really nice return, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. His stuff is electric, and if he could develop a consistent secondary pitch, whether that be a breaking ball or a changeup, I mean, this guy could be the closer for sure, and him finishing off games would be just electric with his with that 98 sinker that he's got. And if he can develop a consistent slider or a consistent changeup to pair with it, I mean, this guy could be unstoppable late in games. And, I mean, I, it's hard to see Daniel Hudson go because of what he he showed us in uh, Game 7 of the World Series there. But, I mean, getting a young guy back like this that's got promising stuff could really pay dividends in the future. And getting him these, giving him these, uh, these opportunities now when it's, like you said, pressure-free baseball and letting him go out and day after day after he has a bad day, come back for a game like today and get some action. It's it's awesome to see, and I think he can really be promising in the future. He's got great stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Like Max pointed out, I mean, he, he came into the game today. They were losing 5-4. Harper just, you know, was in line for the hold, blew the hold, and now Mason Thompson has to be on mop-up duty. Does a great job of that. If the Nats don't score at all the rest of the game, they they lose, you know, 5-4, whatever the final would have been. But Mason Thompson's still getting valuable reps there. And that's kind of what I – in the the silver lining about this season, yeah, we're not winning many games, but these guys are getting valuable, valuable reps. And it shows because, like Max pointed out again, a couple of shaky start or shaky outings from Thompson recently comes back in today and absolutely shuts the door. Uh, Josiah, what are your thoughts on Mason Thompson? Yeah, um, he he's again a big part of our future. I think I think we got really good returns from both the Hand and Hudson trades. Uh, I hate to see Hudson go. I'm kind of happy to see Hand go, but uh, <laughs> Thompson. Yeah, he's we have a thing for very tall, very big pitchers. It very right-handed like. pitchers. We call that the Mike yes. Rizzo special. Yeah, yes, I always say, Rizzo find yourself special. somebody who loves you the way Mike Rizzo loves big <laughs> right-handed pitchers. But um, I think he fits in well with the team. He he throws hard, and like Joe said, if he can develop a good secondary pitch, uh, I think he's in very good contention for the closer spot. But I mean, Davey has all season and most likely all of next season to uh, throw around the relievers in different innings and see where he wants to fit them in for the coming future. That's a phenomenal point. Cause we yeah. saw him struggle with that, with Suero, uh, cause Suero was his guy, right? It, it, it's like the, the, you know, visual meme of the guy sweating, trying to push a button and it was Sean Doolittle or Wander Suero. And obviously Doolittle has moved on. So it's just, Wander Suero or someone else, and he's always going to push, push Wander Suero. But now, obviously, Suero's down in AAA working through some stuff. So Davey kind of gets new chess pieces to play with and guys in different roles. So that, that's a great job, uh, you know, by Davey. And, and Mike Rizzo, obviously, he, he deserves his credit, too, because he orchestrated all of this. And, uh, you know, is certainly, I would expect, having a, a hand in, you know, the 
strategy going forward. Uh, Amanda, what are your quick thoughts on, on Mason Thompson? You know, I'm always a little bit wary of anointing someone the closer of the future just because we've sure. done that so many times. And so many times. Don't wind up being the closer of the future. Looking at you, Wander Swero. Um, yeah, Cody I'm Glover. Really, Cody, oh, God, there have been so many. There have been so, like, you could make a whole list of them. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm excited about this kid. He's got, you know, I mean, he throws really hard. He's, you know, it sounds like a broken record, but obviously he needs a secondary pitch, but he's, he's 23. And we have talked so many times on this podcast about how the Nats were the oldest team in baseball and they needed to get younger and, you know, to have, it's a unique opportunity for not only Davey as um, just, I, as you, who just pointed out, has the opportunity to like try these guys in different roles and really see what he has in these, but for these young, these young players to be on a rebuilding team that doesn't you know that isn't going to send you back down if you struggle a few games like to actually be able to get out there get reps you know practice you know go out you know the day after you have a lousy outing and go out and do it again and you know clean up after another guy there's all these when the outcome really doesn't matter there's all these outstanding opportunities for them and for a guy as young as he is showing already what he is I have I have extremely high hopes despite my uh my many times being burned on my high hopes for a closer of the future. I definitely have high hopes for this kid. Uh, it's pressure-free fandom too. We right. get to, to grow, grow with the, these players. It's funny. I do find myself like the Nats will blow a game and I just, I'm just like, ah, nah. eh, whatever. And normally what I'd is. be like pissed off for the rest of the night. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. Before Amanda takes us into the position players that we want to talk about, we got to hear from Manscaped. Today's episode and all of our episodes are sponsored by our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. It's back-to-school time, and we want to make sure you pick the essentials to have the best year yet. The Manscaped fourth-generation performance package is just that. Things are opening up, slowly but surely. Be ready for whatever is in the daily schedule for you. It's the perfect package for your package. It includes the brand-new Lawnmower 4.0. It's absolutely awesome. Fellas, go for the valedictorian of ball trimming and join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com. Use our promo code HSHH20 for 20% off and free shipping. You will not regret it. You save some money and you get the top of the line tools for your male grooming. Absolutely great stuff. We talked about pressure-free baseball. Have some pressure-free male grooming as well. Go to Manscaped, get everything you need. You will not regret it. Yes, that's that's excellent advice. Thank and you. the other thing you won't regret is thinking about the future young position players that the Nats have, because there is some really exciting stuff going on. Um, Keyboom, pretty much I feel like everybody had written off as you know, maybe a bust at this point. Um, but then suddenly, you know, or post or post-trade deadline in the middle of this rebuild and he gets to come up and play a little pressure-free baseball. And he seems to really be thriving uh, now that the, the pressure is gone. Uh, Josiah, let's start with you. Um, where were you on Keyboom prior to the trade deadline? And are you in a different place on him now? Yeah, uh, I won't lie. I had kind of given up on Keyboom. I still, I still really wanted him to succeed, but I was, I was, very open to letting him go in some kind of a trade just to see what we could get for him. But 
as for now, uh, the key bomb is all I need in life. <laughs> and I got to say, it really made my day when he hit that one today. Um, Such an easy yeah. swing, wasn't it? He looked like he was just taking batting practice. It was Nothing. beautiful. It was so beautiful. But uh, I think he does have some more work to do at uh, third base defensively. Uh, he's shown initiative there, though. So he's he's definitely going out there trying to get better. And I think he will get there eventually. But um, I think we should stick with him for a little while longer. And if he continues to stay hot like this, then there's no reason why he shouldn't be our future third baseman. Yeah, if, if Victor Robles gets more chances, I guess keep him on too as well. True. <laughs> All right, uh, Max, what are your thoughts on Kiboom? Um, you know, it's it. everybody's, I, I think that, just like Josiah just said, everybody seems to be in the same place with him right now that, you know, they're kind of looking at him with new eyes um, now that he's back with the club and seems to be finally putting it together. What do you, what are you seeing from him? I've always been a fan of Kiboom, but before this, I wanted to trade him, not for us, but for his sake. Cause I knew as long as we were trying to quote contend, um, they weren't going to give him chances. And he's the type of guy that he's proven everything at AAA. And he has to be given a chance to stick at the majors. And you can't just pull him after 10 games, demote him, send him back up. So he needed a place to go that was going to allow him to flourish. And the last two years, Washington wasn't the place because of how they were trying to continue to win World Series titles. But now that they're not and there's no need to send them up and down, they've became the team, again, that is the best place for them because they're in the situation where – all the pressure's off. And if you look at it the last two years, he was never really smiling. All he does is smile now. He's finally having fun playing baseball. He's hitting the ball. He's making mistakes at third. Like last year was better defensively. But even today, he had some small improvements defensively. And then, as we all said, the key bomb is an awesome name. <laughs> and he's hitting 270 on the season. His strikeout, even when he strikes out, he's working the counts. Like he had an eight, uh, eight pitch at bat today before he struck out. He's like, showing really improved plate discipline. He's no longer biting on those curves in the dirt at every pitch or the sliders outside. He's making pitchers work. Once he comes up, pitchers are no longer like, oh, this is an easy out. They know that they're going to be in for like at least a five pitch at that. And so even if he's not getting on base consistently, just stuff like that at the plate is yeah, stuff that just shows the small like improvements to become the full-time player. I still think they need to switch him defensively because whenever they shift him, he looks so much more comfortable. And Matt Wayreich and Jesse Darity, they point that out all the time. And he does. Like when he goes certain side of the field, he makes plays with ease. And when he goes to the other side of the field, he's just bobbing balls, dropping balls. So switch defensively might help him even boost his confidence even more. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Joe, what do you think? Yeah, just like Max said, I mean, looking at him in the past couple of years, whenever he did get brought up, he'd have those – at Batsford go one, two, three, see ya. And watching him actually work the counts now. And even if he doesn't get a hit or come up with a big hit here and there, just these these deep counts he's getting in early show improvement. And watching him have the swag he has now, he's just going up there with a different set of confidence. And I really hope he can continue this into next year. And I hope that this atmosphere really just helps him build his confidence into a season where we maybe we do contend not next year maybe but the year following and hopefully he can have that confidence going into a year where his at bats are counting more and more and I mean I have him in the same vein as Victor Robles where 
man, I just so frustrating to watch him hit here and there. And now watching him actually get a chance to, to have this pressure, uh, pressure free baseball and watch him go and actually enjoy themselves and have these good at bats. It's so refreshing to see these young guys actually go produce. And just today that, that swing he had, like you guys said, was so nice and easy and just an absolute bomb out to left field. So, I mean, all the promise in the world for the guy. And it's nice to see all the things that the organization saw out of him when he was coming up to the minors and why we labeled him and no, uh, no trade prospect and everything like that. And watching him actually produce now is just really exciting to see. Yeah. yeah. It, we get to see the, the fruits of it's really our labor. I mean, we had to, to sit through it and just watch him, you know, be <laughs> yes, really, you should thank <laughs> yeah, us. Re, right. Yeah, really. We, we were the ones going through it. Carter didn't go through anything. We had to endure it all. Exactly. Um, you're welcome. Carter Keeba. Yeah. You're welcome. For all of our hard work for, for sticking it out. Uh, <laughs> no, you're, you guys are absolutely right. I, I was on board like you guys sent him off. Uh, I was half, you know, 50, 50, like Max said, I wanted Carter to be able to get a fresh start and experience pressure free baseball somewhere else. Cause that's clearly what he needed. The, the pressure and the, um, I really, yeah, it was the pressure to be something way higher than he was ready to be at that right. time. Perform not, or get sent back down. Right. Not that he couldn't ever get there, but just at that time, he was not ready for what the Nats were trying to be. But now obviously we became a fr- pressure free team in our own right. And he's been able to succeed and really been one of the bright spots of the post deadline era. So definitely great to see the other prospect uh, homegrown that I want to talk about is obviously Luis Garcia sort of, I won't, won't say in the shadow because he, he's a highly regarded prospect as well, but there's been so much talk about key boom, key bust, key bomb, like all, all these, you know, attentions and and eyes on Keeboom that Garcia is kind of just a little under the radar and we were not as nearly critical of him through his slump as obviously we were with Keeboom so I want to get your guys takes on on Luis Garcia where you see him playing defensively in uh, the future whether it's second base or shortstop and how you see his offense uh, translating to the MLB level so let's start back with Joe Joe what do you think about Luis Garcia yeah, I've always I've always loved his swing. I mean, the offensive side I think needs to be a little more consistent, but he's got the tools that you need to be a consistent player. He's just got to put together. As far as defensively, I struggle with seeing Keyboom or Garcia at shortstop. Or I mean, you got to divvy up third base, second base somehow. And right now they kind of dedicated third base to Keyboom, so I know that a lot of people are looking at him as a right side of the infield guy, but. Looking at Garcia, I mean, he's big in some athletic plays out in the field like he did today, but he also makes those those errors here and there that are just kind of those uh, this off-the-cuff ones that look like they should be easy plays, and he just isn't consistent yet. So if he can prove himself at a shortstop position, maybe. But, I mean, I'm comfortable with him at second base right now. I think he could be a solid second baseman. But I think it just comes into play where you have Kibum and him. They're kind of interchangeable at that second base spot. So. Right now, I like him at second base, but if Keyboom can't put together third base, you're going to have to do something with him. So, I mean, Garcia's got the arm for shortstop, but I think it's just it's just seeing where those guys play out and whoever works best at their position. It's going to be it's going to just fill in the spot that's that's going to be tough for those guys. Yeah, it definitely would be interesting to see if Carter gets ever gets consistent reps at second base just for 
you know, the sake of being thorough and seeing and evaluating Carter. Right. But for now, it seems like Luis Garcia, I mean, today he played second, whereas Escobar played short, but sometimes he plays short and Escobar switch, switches to second. So it seems like the organization seemed or thinks that Garcia will be a second baseman as well, but I'm sure we'll see him at short some games going forward. Josiah, what, what's your take on Luis Garcia and uh, what are your expectations for him? Well, uh, Luis Garcia has always been one of my favorite players since he got called up last year. Uh, I really want him to succeed. As for defensively, I I don't know about his future at shortstop because we have so many good shortstop prospects in our farm right now. So I think it's good for him to get the reps at second base during this season and next season. Um, so So right now I would probably – keep him at second and let Escobar play short. Um, But as for offensively, I think most of you guys notice this, but his stance and his swing are a lot like Soto's. And I Mm -hmm. think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You're because I mean, you're emulating one of the best hitters in baseball. And if you can recreate that, then you've set yourself up pretty good. So I think all that's, left for him is just for it to really click for him and I think he'll start putting together good at bats but we just need to stick with him right now um he's got a bright future I know he has it in him and I can't wait to see what he can do yeah absolutely you make a great point because their their swings both Soto and Garcia are exactly like Garcia's swing almost looks like Soto's derby stance where he stood up a little bit taller um, but obviously if you're trying to emulate, like you said, one of the best hitters in the game, that's not you do a lot worse. bad thing. <laughs> it's just a matter of, is that the right stance for you? But he seems comfortable. His swing is smooth and it'll, it'll click together. He had a lot of success at the triple a level. He was hitting lead off. So I'm curious to see if we'll ever see him get some lead off reps and maybe, uh, I guess you can't really hit Soto a second cause it would be lefty lefty, but maybe with the righty on the mound, it's not as big of a deal, but Something to think about. Max, what's your take on Luis Garcia and, uh, you know, how how well do you think he slots into this team's future plans? So I'm going to disagree with the others, and I think he needs to be moved back to short. He was a natural shortstop to start with. He was moved to second, and Keeban was moved to third because of Trey Turner. He's gone now. Your best shortstop prospect is Brady House, who's 18, and is let's be nice and say he's uh, minimum three years away. So that's mm-hmm. three years you still got to hold down shortstop. Garcia's problems lately is he's not used to the throws anymore because he has been at second for so long. Slowly build his arm strength back up, and he'll be able to handle the position. I mean, he played it for all those years uh, before he came to the team and even to start the minors. He, he even looks comfortable when he's been switched over there, whenever uh, Escobar has a day off or when Escobar handles second. And offensively, last year, everyone's complaint was, oh, he needs power, he needs power. But he hit 276 in his first taste in the majors. I know batting averages and everything, but to win games, you need people that get on base. I would love a guy that hits that consistent. He's hitting 207 this year, but recently he has a hit in nine of his last 13 games, showing that he's finally getting his confidence at the plate, similar to his other teammates. 
he and Kibun both said they're like boys because they came up together and they're like really good friends. And I think the way how when one does well, the other does well. And they build off each other. You saw them laughing and smiling a few days or a few weeks ago. They went back to back. Like you could tell that they're when one thrives, the other thrives. That's huge. So together, I think they're going to be a really good tandem for this team. And Garcia is what, 20, 21? He's going to get stronger. He's going to come in the power. Everyone says he has the frame of Soto. Soto Graham was just way above everyone at his age. Garcia will slowly build into his frame. And I do think he shows he has the bat skills. He'll get back to heading the way he did last year. Yeah, that's a really interesting point um, about moving him back to shortstop or not. Um, you know, at this point, I think it wouldn't be a bad idea to let him get those reps at shortstop because, again, as we said, this is all about evaluating these guys and letting them, letting us see what they can do and maybe letting them see what they can do at the major league level. Um, you know, you never know, even if you've got a guy like Brady House who's, who's a long ways off. You know, you never know who's really going to make it to the show. There's no such thing as a shore prospect and, you know, injuries can happen. You just don't know. So I think if you've got a guy who can be a major league shortstop, that's, that's a premier position. You should, you know, exercise that, that option to at least see what you have there. And, you know, and a guy who can be a utility guy, who can play multiple positions is, is hugely useful to any club. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for, for Garcia. I think, um, Nick, you'd said right at the beginning, um, he's a little overshadowed, uh, but he's, you know, has been one of the better prospects in the NAT system. And, and I do think he's got, he's got a good future in front of him if he can continue his development and hopefully this, uh, rebuild, no pressure, get all the reps you can possibly handle at the major league level will be just what he needs to, to continue that development. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on to a different pre- premium position. Uh, we're going to talk catchers. About, yeah. Let's talk catchers. Amanda, why don't you uh, take them through the catchers? Okay. So Adams Barrera Ruiz, um, obviously, you know, Ruiz isn't at the big league level yet, but let's, let's talk. Who, who would you have be your backup? Who would you have be your starter? And, you know, just kind of, how do you feel about the, the catching options that the team has post trade deadline, which obviously is completely changed. John Gomes is gone. Um, you know, just how are you feeling about the position and the depth that the Nats now have there? And how would you put those guys into, into the major league roster? Let's start with you, Max. So everyone thinks Caber Ruiz is the catcher of the future and understandably so. And even if he does come up next year, I think that they all need to try out for the starter and they can't just hand it to him. Because what Tres Barrera and Riley Adams have been doing is impressive. And because of Riley Adams' recent last few games, Barrera's been overshadowed. But don't forget, Barrera was called up solely because Avia and Gomes were hurt and had COVID, and they needed a catcher. And he hasn't gone back down because he's been hitting. And he, was, he wasn't even on our top 10 prospects. I don't think he was in our top 15 prospects. He wasn't really on anyone's radar. And what Tresper has been doing at the pros has been really impressive. Grand, he needs to work on his defense a little bit, especially when it comes to throwing out batters. But he's hitting 244, seven RBIs, he's a homer. 691 OPS isn't the best, but he's been worth 0.3 war, which is great for a guy that no one thought was going to be called up at all this year. And you got Riley Adams, who 
turn into Daniel Murphy against the Mets against his former team this weekend. I believe he went five for six had yeah it was held, fun. had the game of the night last night on YouTube and then was raking today. And defensively, he's been really good. I mean, he has a few issues here and there, but don't forget he had that play a few days games ago where he bailed Klobosits out and made that turning play to nag uh, Jock Peterson at the plate. And he just hits bombs. I think next year you have either Barrera or Riley Adams start because they have the experience and they've just been hot. I mean, if Kaber comes out of spring training and just blows everyone away, then yeah, position's his. But I wouldn't be surprised if they ease him into the role. Grant, things could change if he gets called up in September and gets some experience. But going off of like what we know now, I believe it's Barrera Adams. How old is how old is Barrera? I can't remember offhand. Um, that is a it. good question. As we all up, Google, I suppose I don't have as to. As we lazy. all race to Google, Google to see. Myself, 20, he's right? twenty six. Twenty six. Okay, the That's old what I man thought. of I thought the bunch, little, right? I thought, yeah, I thought he was a little bit older. Adams is twenty five, and Kaber is twenty three. Got it. Or Kyber. I hope I'm not pronouncing it. It's, it uh, it's uh, Key Bear. Key Bear. bear. There, yeah. Key Bear Ruiz. Okay. Got it. All right. Uh, Josiah, what are your thoughts on the catcher position and, and who do you think is starter, backup, odd man out? Uh, yeah. I mean, I love having a lot of depth at catcher. To be honest, before the trade, uh, I heard so much about Ruiz. Like, he's going to be you know, the best hitter on the Nats and all this stuff. But other than like his first start in Rochester, I think he hit a a solo homer in his debut for Rochester. But other than that, I haven't really heard much from him. But Adams and Barrera have been on fire lately. Uh, As far as ceiling, I think that Adams has a higher ceiling than Barrera. Um, Obviously, they both have things to work on and like max said i think that barrera's been overshadowed a little bit by adams uh these past few games uh but i think that they should let uh i think davy should let uh barrera and adams kind of fight for that starting position uh because right now it's between them two so i would have to put adams in front of barrera uh, until Ruiz comes up and we can see what he does. Um, but I think that we do have a lot of depth, and I'm very excited for that because catchers are one of my favorite positions to watch. And it's been a while since they had some good depth at a catcher. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, let's go to you, Joe. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think the depth is awesome. It's something that we haven't really seen before. And so having the options is, a, is awesome. And I think – Max's point to the competition, not letting Ruiz just jump into the starting spot is awesome. I think competition brings out the best in everybody. And I think if you make him prove himself over the two other guys, I think he'll prove to be the best of the three. And I think he'll end up getting that starting role and he'll be the guy that takes the main chunk of innings back there. But I mean, between Adams and Barrera, I think Adams has the higher ceiling and I think he has the better hit tool than Brer, but right now seeing Brer come up and do what he does, I mean, you can't discount what he's been doing at the plate and he controls the pitching staff. Well, yeah, he doesn't throw out a lot of hitters like we're used to seeing with Jan Gomes, but 
I mean, a guy that controls the pitching staff is not to be undervalued. And seeing those guys go out there, and I love watching Adams hit, and I think he's got a lot outside. I love his power, but if you have these guys go out there and prove themselves, I think that's going to be the best. That's going to be the best situation that we can throw out there. And I think eventually Ruiz becomes that starter. I think Adams probably fills in behind him as the backup. But I mean, prove me wrong. I'd love to see Trace come up there and hit consistently and be a guy that can that can be a platoon guy if, if need be for that next year if Ruiz isn't going to start every every game. So I'd love to see those guys compete and hopefully they they can just keep keep this catching depth going here because it's something that we're not used to as Nats fans and seeing these young kids come up and actually provide and produce on a major league level is awesome. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, I would like to have the problem that there are all of them are performing and then we have to figure yeah, out certainly which one of them we're going to trade away. That would be a nice problem to have. Um, yeah. Nick, do you want to, should we talk about uh, Victor Robles, who I guess does count as a young guy on the team, although oh, I saved him for, for last. So long. Yeah. I saved him for last for a reason. Um, just to to cap off the, the catcher conversation, I do think it's Kiber's uh, um, job to lose, at least in the future. Maybe not for 2022, but in the future. But yeah, it's a good problem to have. That's basically what it comes down to. Uh, uh, depth at a position is something the Nats aren't used to. Especially and I guess, a premier uh, position. Yeah, fans aren't used to either. Uh, but yes, Victor Robles. Um, if you guys ha- have listened to the show for uh, any amount of time, my thoughts on Victor Robles are pretty well known and pretty clear. Um, there is pressure-free baseball right now, so it's a little bit more bearable than it has been, but he is certainly not living up to the the bill at least what people projected him to be and granted that's not his fault but it is what it is we held him we talked about Keyboom being held back in, in trades that might have helped the current team well Robles was even more so the untouchable trade piece that uh you know was the centerpiece of a potential Chris Sale deal and oh, JT Real been. Muto <laughs> and yeah obviously it all worked out we won the world series Robles was a part of that I understand but we can always play what if and certainly that begs the question now is Robles ever going to turn into a mainstay on a team obviously with pressure free baseball you can kind of work through any slumps or growing pains or anything like that but he's now been a, a regular full-time ball player for three years now and he hasn't yet put it all together maybe he's a late bloomer he's still young but I want to get yours your guys's thoughts because I think I've kind of bled into Ryan and Amanda on our show they're they're starting to get a little anti-robless as well so I'm curious to it see took us a gen- lot longer than it took you but <laughs> right I'm curious to see your guys or the general perception of Victor Robles and how long of a leash you might have on him if it's not pulled already. So I'm going to kick it back to you, Joe. What are your thoughts on Victor Robles? Do you see him as part of the future? And do you think he'll turn it around to where we don't have to talk about potential replacements? Yeah, I think we've seen the best of Victor Robles back in 2019. I don't think he's going to do much more than what he did that year. And so anything defensively obviously is going to be a plus for a center fielder and watching him play in play in center and watching all the gold glove plays you can make out there is awesome. But just like a Jackie Bradley jr. A guy that 
doesn't really hold his own hitting wise. He has a place on a team. It just depends on if that's going to be a starting spot and if we can develop a guy or trade for a guy who can hold his own in center just as well as Robles can. I mean, I like him in the leadoff spot and he's been producing a little bit more as of recently, but I really don't see much more than what we've seen in the past coming out of him. I think he's reached his ceiling, even though he's a younger guy. I think his mechanics at the plate just don't seem consistent to me. They seem like something that's not going to produce it the way that he was projected to as a prospect. So, I mean, as much as I'd love to see Robles perform above and beyond, I think we've seen the best of Robles so far. And yeah, that's basically what it comes down to has not necessarily peaked because he can do what he did in 2019 over an extended period of time. And that would effectively be his peak. But if 2019 is the best we're going to get out of him, that's serviceable, even as Mm -hmm. currently profiled or his current ability whereas it's a below average hitter, but a very, very plus defender, he's going to have a role on any team. You mentioned JBJ. That's the perfect comp. Ryan loves to use it all the time. That's very valuable. Obviously, gold glove level defense at any position is extremely valuable. So it's not a matter of is Robles, you know, a ball player? Should he even be in the league? He very clearly should be. It's just a matter of is he that cornerstone center fielder that we thought we were getting when we didn't trade him in what could have been franchise altering trades. Obviously all in the past, we wanted a world series, but we're looking ahead to the future. Josiah, what are your thoughts on Victor Robles? Same question. Do you think he's going to be a part of the future? And do you think he can turn it around offensively where he's not a complete liability? Uh, You know, I have high hopes for Robles. I don't want to see him fail, but um, his, his offense really does make me cringe sometimes Granted, <laughs> he he has been uh producing more lately uh lead off seems to be doing all right for him but i still think there are better options uh to bat lead off mm-hmm. um the the only thing that keeps me with him is chemistry and his defense obviously you guys pointed out his defense it's gold glove defense you don't you don't just let that go easily uh, it's hard to find a better defensive center fielder than Victor Robles. Um, but also Juan Soto and Luis Garcia and Victor Robles, they all seem to have really good chemistry. And you guys were saying earlier, you know, when they see each other thriving, they tend to do better themselves, which is what I kind of hope will happen with Victor Robles. Um, if it doesn't happen, I think that he'll become more of a bench piece for us because we have lots of good outfield prospects that'll be ready to come up in the near future. But if he can somehow piece it together uh, soon, then I think he will be a part of our long-term future. That's a great point you bring up about chemistry because clearly he and Soto specifically, obviously they were kind of up at the same time. It, honestly should have been Robles getting called up, but he had the wrist injury. So Soto gets called up and then never leaves because he's just otherworldly. As he's and Soto. Yeah. Who knew, but they obviously like, uh, I believe it was Max talked about how Carter and Luis are boys. It seems like Juan and Victor are boys. And now they're playing next to each other every day for one 62. And it's awesome to see. And I think for the Nats, 
not that they want any of their prospects to fail, but they definitely want Victor to succeed and they want to give him every opportunity to succeed. Obviously, as soon as the the all the names got traded to the deadline, Victor's getting the first crack at leading off, which is the logical choice because he was the leadoff guy to start the year. And obviously they had to pull him. Their the hand was kind of forced because they're trying to compete for a World Series and they couldn't sustain that level of production or lack thereof at the, the leadoff spot as they were trying to contend, but now you have pressure-free baseball, like we've been saying, and Victor gets an extended shot at leading off. Max, I, I want to turn turn it over to you. Robles, it, it, it's going to be a hot topic. I, I've kind of been forcing the, the issue myself to get people to talk about Robles, but now it's a little bit of a different conversation because we have more time to allow him to work through it, and he is still young, so maybe he is just a late bloomer. Not everyone uh, reaches that that level of potential at the same time in, in their professional development. But what are your thoughts on Robles? Do you think he gets there or have we seen the best from him? All right, so 2019 offensively was good, not great, but you'll take it for a rookie year, especially for the defense he gave us. I think he can get back to that level. I don't know if he'll ever be back better than that level, but if he can get back to hitting around 250, yeah, you'll take it for a leadoff guy that is giving you gold glove defense. He has a hit in nine of his last 10 games. Granted, most of his games, he went one for four, one for five, but he is getting away to get on base. The problem with Robles this year is every single time he is on the verge of turning around, he, hits, he runs into a wall. Be it, I think he's been in the aisle two or three times this year. Every time he got close, he got hurt. And you saw from Bell and Schwarber in the beginning of the season when they missed time. It takes certain guys so long to get back into the thick of things that they just look lost at the plate. Schwarber, for example, and then no expected is June. And then Bell, everyone was wanting him out of town two months into his tenure. And then he's hitting 240. He's slumping lately, but he hit a massive bomb today. Robles is healthy again. He's getting speed under him. His defense isn't what it used to be, but it's a lot better than last year, which was abysmal. He still has the outfield assist. Like, we all thought he's gunned that guy out at second today, and if he had to throw on the opposite side of the bag, he definitely would have had him. He still helps track balls in the outfield. Sadly, he people compare him to Billy uh, – uh, to JBJ. Kind of reminds me of Billy Hamilton, back to what everyone thought he could be. Mm-hmm. I think – I mean, you're in a rebuild for a reason, right? So 2022 is his – I might be the last year you give him a chance. You give him a full season under a rebuild. If he doesn't get right at that point, he's still hitting under 220, and then then you're going to have a major problem. And then you got to do something. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. I think that that's a, a fair timeline because we all are seem to be in agreement that 2022 – it would be a welcome surprise if we contend, but we're, none of us are necessarily expecting us to contend, which would ex- extend the window of a- allowing Robles time to get it together, hopefully. And if it's not by 2023, well, by 2023, this team needs to get its act together in some regard, in some fashion, because obviously you have Juan Soto's deal about to expire in a couple of years. And, uh, you know, you want to make the most of these affordable contracts before you have to, you know, sell out to win a world series again, and then do another rebuild and the whole process starts over. But uh, I, I think that's a, a fair timetable for Victor Robles. Uh, Amanda, are you kind of in agreement with that? 
Yeah, I think so. I, you know, I, I don't feel like he's going to put it together and get better than what we've seen. I think offensively, he might be able to gain some consistency if he can stay healthy and not have those, um, as you just said, Max, those injury recovery periods where it takes guys, excuse me, takes guys a while to kind of get back into the swing of things, no pun intended. But, um, yeah, I don't, I just, I don't think he's ever going to be the guy that we thought we were getting. I mean, I think that's clear at this point. You're he's, we've seen what he is. I don't think he's going to go on, you know, some kind of, he's going to become some sort of revelation and, and be somebody that we haven't seen so far. I mean, I know he's young, but you know, he's been a major leaguer for years now and I don't expect much more from him offensively than what we've already seen now defensively, you know, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast. You, you, you trade, you trade gold glove defense for lousy offense. Sometimes, you know, if you've got the roster that can pick up that slack in other places, obviously right now it doesn't really matter because they're in the middle of this rebuild, but there will come a time when they're trying to contend again, and they're going to have to make a decision about whether the defense he provides is enough to offset his lack of offensive production. And I don't think we're going to see much more offensive production from him than we've already seen. Yeah. And that's unfortunate because obviously we would love to in our own way, because I know Ryan would not love to be wrong. I would not love to be wrong, but we would love to be wrong in that Rizzo was right in keeping Robles. And I just don't know if we're ever going to get quite to that level. But at the same time, like I've been saying, we won a World Series, so we can't be too upset about him. It's just now the decision about Robles still remains. And that's basically what we're going to be expecting going forward is a decision to be made about Victor Robles. But got a little bit of time before we have to get there as pressure-free baseball exists. And it's honestly a a welcome change from having to live and die with every single game because the today's game would have been a long one. (laughs) <laughs> trying to get Josiah Gray, <laughs> Josiah Gray, his first win. And then I'm exhausted uh, the just thinking our, about it. Our best bullpen reliever being cursed by Amanda and uh, mm-hmm. blowing the game. And then, you know, all the, the ups and downs and whatnot. But yeah, it's a rough life. Yeah, it is a rough life, but <laughs> easier with pressure free baseball. Indeed. All right, guys. So to end our shows, we usually do a one big thing. It's kind of like a final thoughts. Uh, anything, um, any final thoughts about what we talked about or anything we didn't talk about that you want to address. So we're just going to go around and one by one, just give your final take on the Nats or any of the guys we talked about, or just any thoughts in general that you want to express. So uh, Josiah, let's start with you. Any final thoughts before we head out? Yeah. I mean, I think that we have a bright future ahead of us. Uh, Nationals fans just really have to bear through these next few years and just take don't don't worry so much about winning and just think more about the development uh, of our younger guys because we know it'll, we'll get there eventually. We know that we will be uh, title contending someday, but uh, I think it's a nice break just to finally sit back and not really have to worry about winning so much. Um, and I just want to say just stick with the team. Stick uh, keep your fandom going and continue to cheer for him. And I think we'll all be all right. What was it? Kyle Schwarber said right before he got shipped out of town. It was stay with us. Stay with us. Stay yeah. with us. Well, I was well, actually right before he went on his June tear, <laughs> but still, I mean, 
he, yeah. he's not even with the team anymore, but th- that's no fault of his own. Uh, but yeah, stay with the team, be patient, allow yourself room to grow. And you know, the, the team obviously room to grow without too much of an expectation. I think that's great wise advice. Uh, Joe, what about you? Any final thoughts? Yeah, I think the phrase of the week, month, year is pressure free. And I think it's kind of refreshing to watch these young guys play and not worry about the wins necessarily. And like Josiah said, look at the development of these guys and see how they play day by day and how they improve day by day. And it's it's kind of a fun game to watch now. You get to see these young guys and focus on a player or two and see what they do during a day and see how they progress and not worry so much about wins. And I think it's unique in how we made these trades and how Mike Rizzo laid all these things out. And I think the return that we got is going to have a more immediate impact than most sell-offs are going to be. So I think even though we won't contend next year, maybe, maybe the year after that, I think it's going to be a quick turnaround. And I just like Josiah said, stick with them. And I think these young guys are really going to start to impress. And I hope that this pressure-free baseball can really boost their confidence and help them build into the following years. Absolutely. Rizzo very clearly did his due diligence, had a plan in place, executed that plan seemingly to the best of his ability, got great returns. We're seeing the fruits uh, of those returns, both obviously at the major league level with guys like Josiah Gray, Riley Adams, uh, Mason Thompson, but also in the minors, the the guys are tearing it up. Even the guys that weren't necessarily the headliners, your Donovan Casey, your Jordy Barley's they're, they're tearing it up. And, And it's great to see that promise uh, obviously those guys are in the minors and not making an impact on the, on the major league club yet, but definitely good to see it and uh, bodes well for the future. Uh, it's a little bit easier to swallow trading away, Max trading away, trade trading away these guys when we have some hope for the future. Certainly Max, any final thoughts before we get out? Yeah. Embrace the tank. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was wondering when and if anyone was going to say it. Um, embrace the tank. Just imagine Drew Jones Jr. in a Nats uh, uniform and Braves fans cry. Oh, I can see it. I can see it and I like it. I mean, I, I have no problem losing a couple extra games if it means Braves fans crying because it's just music to my ears. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. to stay with the theme, um, basically, you know, my one big thing tonight would be just try to enjoy this. You know, it's different than what we're accustomed to. We've been trying to contend for a decade and it's a little bit hard to mentally shift gears away from that, but it is more relaxing. I mean, I was thinking to myself earlier today as I was watching that game when they blew the lead and I was like, man, this is so relaxing. Like how relaxed must like Tigers fans or, or, or Pirates fans be? It must just be so Orioles stress-free. Fans. Orioles <laughs> fans, have fans still. Like never worrying about whether you win or lose. But yeah. yeah, just try to enjoy it. You know, watching these young guys play and actually get reps, it's different, but it's, it's, setting us up for a future where we can contend again. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's sort of a cliche, but I know it was painful for all of us to watch a lot of fan favorites get shipped out of town, but you know, I'm ready to fall in love again, watching these young guys. I got to pick out new favorite players. Max Scherzer is my all-time favorite national. That one was very painful. I was, I, I, as I told you last week, Nick, I've got a Trey Turner world series gold, you know, the gold Jersey. I love Trey Turner. That one was pretty tough to tank, but to take not tank. Um, but yeah, you're embracing I, the tank now. Too. I know exactly. <laughs> See, that was a, a 40 and slip there. 
So yeah, just that's my advice to Nats fans who are struggling. Just you know, enjoy it. Enjoy watching the young guys play. Enjoy the the pressure free baseball, and uh, get ready for big things in the future because the future is bright. We've got a lot of pieces that you might not know their names yet, but you will. Yeah, absolutely. And you brought up a, a point uh, that that I want to reiterate now. And it was actually my my one big thing. Our first episode post deadline was you know, do some research on these new guys. And like you said, Amanda, fall in love again. You can, you can have more than one favorite player. It's not like you have to only root for one guy, even after he goes to another team, after he retires, whatever you can have a new favorite player and you get to grow that, that um, fandom for that player as the player grows. And obviously as the team gets back into uh, uh, being competitive and whatnot, that that's how, you know, I became such a fan of Joe Ross because he was the pitching prospect at the time, did a bunch of research, and now I've been a Joe Ross stan ever since. And same thing's happening with Josiah Gray. Obviously, like I said, I'm a pitcher. I'm a pitching coach. So I'm naturally going to lean towards the pitchers. And all I had to do was look at uh, pitching ninja highlights of Josiah Gray, and boom, I was hooked. And I've been hooked ever and since. And, yeah, In love it, again. That's literally all it took. Like, it's very easy for me to get, to get over my exes. But uh, it's it just – Give yourself some time, allow yourself to, to grow, as all of you have said, you know, embrace the tank, but it doesn't mean you can't be excited for the future and still root for this team and still want this team to do well in their own way. Yeah, exactly. And and don't expect, I don't expect this team's going to be lousy for a long time. You know, a lot of teams and, and be grateful because a lot of teams are just bad and they're not going <laughs> to be good period. anytime soon. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. And yep. this team is, you know, Rizzo set this up in such a way that they're going to contend again. They're not going to waste Juan Soto's years under team control entirely. So next year is not likely to be a competitive year, but I expect they're going to be right back in it. What's what's the stat of the Mariners? They haven't, what, it was either won their division or made the playoffs since like 2001. It's playoffs. It is playoffs. Yeah. So they haven't made the playoffs (laughs) since 2001. And I'm pretty sure 2000, 2001, they went on that insane they had an insane record, like a hundred and something wins. That was uh, then, Ichiro's rookie season. Right, right. And they haven't made the playoffs since. Not yes. just division, playoffs. It always could be worse. As a lifetime pain, yeah. Washington football team fan, I feel their pain. It, the Washington football team literally made the playoffs last year. I understand. I'm saying that was the, <laughs> they made the playoffs very seldom, and they made the playoffs because the Eagles didn't want to. <laughs> because they deserved it. Yeah, well. I mean, playoffs is playoffs. It's, it's like prior to winning the World Series, we treated the, the Brewers wildcard game as a playoff win. Like, you know, the little things. <laughs> right, exactly. Little. You take what you can get, right? Until they won a series, we used to pretend that the wildcard game was a playoff. Oh, no, we didn't pretend. It was very real. Yeah. It was real to me. <laughs> it was, it was, a it it was, was real a series. in my mind, in yeah. my heart. You couldn't tell me otherwise. <laughs> All right, guys, I definitely, definitely appreciate you all taking the time yeah, coming so on. Much. It was a blast. I mean, this has been, and I'm not just saying this, like this has been a success. This is something we're going to continue to do throughout the rest of this season. Definitely heading into the off season as we kind of get to piece back together the, the Nats 2022 roster with obviously free agency and trades that, that go down and what we want to happen and what we expect for the Nats going forward. But Max, Josiah, um joe you guys were awesome definitely appreciate you guys coming on thank you for for amanda and oxy ryan who's not here but he he was heavily involved in all this i I hope you guys enjoyed it and this was a very successful first round table absolutely thank you guys
Thank you. I appreciate it. We'll do be doing these going forward for sure. It's so nice to get out, you know, opinions from fans, you know, who come from different places and different ideas. And it's just so, it's so much fun to, you know, mix it up a little bit and get everybody, especially after something as dramatic as what just happened with the team, you know, to kind of take the pulse of the fan bases is really great. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. So uh, I don't know if you guys are more than welcome to plug your handles on Twitter. You don't have to no pressure uh i'm gonna plug ours follow me at nationals ace amanda at a white 7877 uh at the show at half street high heat ryan shack of course you know him at we are all shack uh thank you guys you guys got anything else before we head out no i don't think i am good good i'm all good cool max you got any uh, district on deck stuff you want to plug um yeah, sure. Follow us edition on deck. We have similar articles to these guys. We try to build upon each other. And then follow me at Maximum Raymond if you just want to talk about uh, how bad the Nats are. <laughs> I am always or, down to just talk about how bad the Nats are. Or <laughs> how well they're embracing the tank. I mean, it's just that too. Yeah. Spin zone. <laughs> Spin zone. All right, guys. Appreciate you coming on. We will talk to you all on Monday. We will talk Sunday. You'll hear on Monday. All right, guys. All Let's, right, go Nats. Let's go, Nats. Let's go, Nats. Later. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later. The early light of dawn, well, you can see they're running scared. Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air. Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look. Cause we're putting curly W's in every book. Let's go, Nats. We've got a game to play. We're gonna win today. Let's go.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.